Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines in the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life, and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today, we're not actually having a guest speaker, but we are bringing up a topic that was questioned by some of the listeners. And that is, what's the difference between active and passive income? But before we get into that, we're actually going to talk about the topic of the month, which is investments. This month, we're gonna dive pretty deeply into uh, various topics around investing. Now, for lack of a better term, this is the area that people think that financial planning is actually made or not made. And in our opinion, investments are a tool that get you to your goals, but your goals are the plan. As I say often to people, you can probably have everything that you want. You just can't have it right now. And taking the time to invest, for lack of a better word, in your future around your choices and your goals is really the action steps that you need to take. So as we talk through the month of of, of April about investments, I just want to share a few thoughts with you up front. This is what we call think spring cleaning for investments, right? So we always want people to be understanding how their money is invested and put to week for them. So if you think about it, every day we go to work and exchange our time for money. And then, you know, what do we do with it? We forget how important it is that we supervise it. Don't you want your money working as hard for you as you are working for it? The way we see it, if those dollars are your employees and your employees need training and supervision, then that's what you should be doing with your dollars. You never hire someone unless you expect some kind of return, right? Think of it as, I guess, in this manner, are, are, you are hiring your money to accomplish a task. The task might be retirement, buying a home, education, funding, financial peace, or some other major goal. Additionally, in complex companies, you can't just have great employees. You've got to have the right kind of employees in each department. If you have to cut back on that department, you need to know how you will select the ones that you're cutting or adding. So how to pick up the ones to add, and in other words, how to let go of the ones that you don't need anymore. It's a plan. So put it in perspective that you are the HR department of your money. Now, I've you know had employees before, as you know, and 
And if they don't know exactly what you want them to do, the task doesn't get accomplished. So these dollars need to know. And they're clearing, you know, they're they're clearing different accounts. They have different purposes. Um, What do you want them to be doing is really important. Do you want them cleaning your bathroom or building your deck? Are you highly um, paying them because they perform well or because they've just been around for a long time and haven't been evaluated? Are the dollars accomplishing the task that they're supposed to be doing? The only way to know this is to supervise them. So let's dig in a little bit deeper. When we talk about investing, there's various aspects of investing that we want people to be aware of. The thing that we hear a lot of discussion around is risk tolerance. Now, I think of risk in a couple of different ways, and I want you to as well. Risk, in my opinion, can be broken down into three categories. There's the gut side of risk, what a lot of people call risk tolerance. How do you feel when the market reacts? Are you panicking or are you the type of person that says, hey, where do I come up with extra money to put into the market now that it's correcting? So that's the gut side of risk tolerance or risk capacity. I call it risk capacity. So there's the tolerance side and then there is the need. How much risk do I need to take for my money to get me where I want it to go? The more risk you take, generally, the more return you get, right? So if you're somebody who cannot take a lot of risk, then you're going to have to make up for the the lack of you not taking a lot of risk with your own dollars. So you're going to have to make contributions that might be higher to achieve those goals. If, on the other hand, you say it needs to be a balance between my tolerance and my need, then maybe you would be able to put in a few less dollars because your need is going to be met by higher, higher risk tolerance by by putting it in riskier investments. And then the third area of risk capacity, in my opinion, is the inflation rate risk. This is not something that a lot of people talk about because people that are, especially on the conservative side, they think, just put it in cash. I'm not losing money. But that is completely wrong. Your dollars are losing in their ability to actually keep up with spendability. So what I mean by that is if you have a dollar in the bank, and there is inflation of say 3%, well, then the following year, your dollar only buys you 97 cents worth of, or 97, yeah, 97 cents worth of inform, or worth of product. So in reality, you have lost spending power, right? So just when you think about your risk tolerance, think about it from that perspective. Number one, what is your gut reaction to risk? And can that be subsided by the fact that you know you need some risk? And then the third is, Am I thinking, am I forgetting about inflation risk? When people get into retirement, one of the things that we talk a lot about them, I talk to them a lot about is the fact that they're now drawing down on their assets, right? They're pulling money from their assets. And it's pretty important from that perspective to say, is the money that you're getting keeping up with inflation? That's kind of important. We want to make sure that money keeps up with inflation. If you don't have any kind of pension, or even if you do, generally speaking, it doesn't keep up with true inflation. And Social Security does have a a COLA, cost of living um, associated with it, cost of living adjustment associated with it. But generally that covers the cost of living increase or less than Medicare. So when when your assets, when we're looking at your income, that's the risk on your income assets. It's not quite keeping up with inflation. So we've got to use other assets to offset that a little bit. 
Again, I just want to reiterate, when we're talking about investing, it's important for you when, when somebody says, what's your risk tolerance? Think about it in those three different categories instead of just thinking, oh, you know, if the market crashes, like this is how I'm going to react. Generally, if you've looked back through history, when the market has gone down, it has come back and it has come back and continued to grow and outperform any kind of bond related investment. So especially fixed um, especially like government and and uh, high high rated corporate bonds, not that they don't have their place, they very much do. Um, they're great for su- um, subsiding some of the risk in your portfolio and reducing some of the overall risk in your portfolio. But what I'm saying is that you need to think about risk in different categories. You need to think about it from a standpoint of my overall risk capacity equates to what's my gut, what's my need, and what's infl- what's my inflation rate risk. Okay, so now. When we start talking about income and investment income as a general rule, there are various types of investment income. That's where passive income comes in. Passive income is basically investment income. So when you think about um, somebody saying, I want to generate some passive income, I want my money to be working harder for me. Active income is I'm actively doing something. I'm doing something that generates the income. So I'm involved in it. So there's, there's something that I'm actually doing that creates movement, I guess you want to say, and that's generating income for me. Passive income is money that you earned like on investments or could be something that you've done in the past. So for example, we have some video videos that we have out on our website that you can purchase. So one of them is our mindful spending program. And one of our, our one of those services is mindful spending plus. That was work that we've done in the past that you can now purchase. That's all passive income for us because we've already done the work and now we're generating income off from that work. It could also be, in some cases, it could be things around uh, like real estate investing or something like that as well. That's what we get a lot of questions about. But active income is money that's earned in exchange for performing a service. And passive income is something that you've earned on an investment, any given investment or work that you've completed in the past. And so that's where um, there's the difference. So when somebody comes to us and says, I want to generate more in um, passive income, we start digging into what does that mean for them? What are they looking to do? How are they trying to grow their income stream? Is it truly investing money in, you know, like bonds and stocks and, you know, those kinds of things? Or is it investing money in a program that they'll generate income off from? Or is it investing money in some sort of real estate investment where they've, you know, contributed and and now they're generating rent income? What is it that they're looking for with passive income? And there's all sorts of different ways. And it really depends on your personality, uh, you know, as far as what kind of passive income you want. That's not to be confused with active versus passive investing. Okay. So we've just talked about active versus passive income. Now we're talking about active versus passive investing. Active investing is where somebody, a manager is picking individual bonds, individual stocks. They're doing analysis. There's the role of the portfolio manager is to actually pick these key positions within a mutual fund or portfolio or whatever it might be, separately managed account. So they're going out, they're doing research, they're not matching it on a particular like S&P 500 or Dow Jones or NASDAQ or the aggregate 
target bond fund. They're just, they're looking at particular positions and they're actively investigating and putting these in the portfolio. Passive investing is the opposite. Passive investing says, I'm going to follow this particular index. So it could be like the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ or the aggregate bond fund. Those particular positions in there, if you were to mirror an S&P 500 index fund, it's going to match up to the S&P 500 index that you hear about in the news. You can't actually go out and buy the S&P 500 itself. Like, it's made up of 500 of the largest companies in the US. So you'd have to buy 500 stocks and you'd have to weight them to match the S&P 500. So instead you buy an index fund that does that for you, right? So that could be an ETF or it could be a mutual fund. Their goal is to match that index. Like that's the goal of that fund. Now there's a whole argument behind which is better, active or passive. Tons of information out there about it. We as a firm tend to be, I would call an uh, a passive investment firm, but we do sometimes make some tweaks to what kind of bond funds we hold, um, more so on the bond side than the, than the stock side. But we do tend to make some tweaks occasionally based on where um, we believe the economy is going. So we're passive in investors for our clients, but we do choose to actively allocate among the various asset classes based on what we perceive um, might be an opportunity for growth. Or maybe there's an area that has not done as well in the past, so we might you know, move a little bit more into that area for potential growth in the portfolio. We are a believer of asset allocation and, you know, not making huge swings within the portfolio as a general rule. We want a certain amount in bonds and a certain amount in stocks, but sometimes the type of positions within that, we, we do allocate that a bit. And that's all disclosed in our advisory agreement if anybody is really interested in getting into the details of that. Um, so, so that's some clarification just as a general rule behind the word active investing and active income, passive investing and passive income, just to clarify some of that. Now, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be spending most of April really digging into meat and potatoes behind um, you're in learning more about investments and understanding a bit more of how we can make your money work for you. And we're going to have some tools out there that you can actually um, utilize to, to uh, um, assess and analyze your investing if you want to do that on your own. The things that we often look at is the tenure of the manager. We often look at the performance compared to the category, compared to the index, we look at things like the underlying cost. Now, there is a perception that if something is a high fee mutual fund or ETF, that then, then it's bad. If they're making up for the difference over the long run of those particular, um, you know, of, of the particular fund, then that might not be true. But it's certainly something that we take into consideration. If you can do it with a lower cost fund, then the risk is a little bit lower, in my opinion, because you might have a year where that particular that particular fund doesn't do so well. And so then you add on the fee to that, and that could drive the performance down a little bit lower. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's something that we should take into consideration. When we think about making, again, uh, our money work for us, and we think about um, risk assessment, portfolios of investments are designed around those two key 
key factors of return and risk, right? So if I offered you 25% return, but only gave you a quarter, but only like a quarter of the time, you would get that return the rest of the time you would lose money. Would you take that? Like, that's a question you could ask yourself. So if I said, well, I can guarantee, well, and and we never use the word guarantee, by the way. So, but if I offered you to say that, you know, 25%, but you're only going to get it a quarter of the time, would you be okay with that? Well, if your goal was to use the money next year and there's a 75% chance you wouldn't reach that goal, you're probably going to stay away from it. Learning to analyze when you can take risk and how much gambling you're willing to do is important. And that's something that is so unique to yourself. Like that's why we tend to not mit. Like one of the things that we tend not to do is say, oh, based on this, you know, based on the averages, this is how you're overall performing because it's really, it's really based on you as a person. And is this money helping you achieve your goals. That's the important thing. In fact, I saw this great quote, I think it was on Twitter and it was around Bitcoin recently. And and the question was, you know, about shouldn't investment managers be investing in Bitcoin? And the person's comment was, well, if I can achieve my goal without that kind of volatility, then I'm perfectly okay investing in sort of the boring quote unquote investments because, you know, I don't want to I don't want the risk associated with Bitcoin. Yeah, sure, I could, you know, have more money in my portfolio, but if I can achieve my goals without taking the risk, that's what I'm going to do. And I thought, oh, that's that's just exactly what we always talk about as financial planners. Is the return that we're getting you helping you achieve your goals? And if so, why would you want to take on any more risk than that? So over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to hear things about, you're going to get more into assessing your risk. We have a risk tolerance questionnaire that you can take. But again, I want you to think broader. It's not just about how much risk am I taking, you know, compared to the market, but how much risk do I need and what's inflation, right? We're going to talk a little bit about selecting investments. In fact, I'm not only going to do a podcast on that, but I'm actually going to do a webinar on that. And really excited, super, super excited about a guest that's going to be presenting in April. Again, this is a webinar. Um, I guess it's going to be presenting in April about equity, um, um, getting into equity and diversity and um, also thinking about ESG. So, you know, climate and that sort of thing. Uh, She's going to be speaking on April 21st. And we're so excited to have Jennifer Cannon presenting with us um, around that particular topic. So stay tuned for more information about that. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter if you want to, if you want to get information around that, but we're thrilled to have her come on and talk about that particular topic as well, because we feel that that's something that's investing through gender lens and making sure that we're also thinking of how and how supporting companies that invest through a gender gender lens and who are thinking about how that affects our a global ecology is super important in, in our opinion. And we've had many of our investors ask about uh, socially responsible funds. And this is one of the funds that we're implementing in our portfolio. So she's going to come on and chat. Um, so, so again, stay tuned for that April 21st. Little. I guess, pitch for our events coming up. And then we're also going to provide you throughout the course of the month, an investment workbook. We're going to talk about what's called an investment policy statement. And we are going to dig into a bit more around the asset allocation discussion. So we have lots coming up for the month of April. Stay tuned. We hope that this podcast was helpful. We appreciate the 
uh, question coming in from one of our listeners. And of course, if you have any questions that we can answer, we'd love to be able to um, feature one of your questions as we morph into dealing with some of the concerns of the the X generation, uh, female especially. We'd really love to know more about what keeps you up at night and address those issues and questions and concerns also. And we do have a favor to ask as I close this podcast today. If you haven't already done so, would you hop on over to Apple uh, Podcasts and rank us, um, like us, make sure that you're downloading us. We really would love to get more of this information out. And the more people that actually rate us, that means we'll move up in the rankings when people are searching for financial information. We'd love uh, love to hear your wine tips as well. I forgot to mention that at the start. Um, Very, very lucky to have uh, opened up a bottle from Lakewood and their new vintage. It's a Lemberger Rosé. I would highly encourage you to go out to their website. It's at Lakewood in Hector, New York, explore their options, but try that rosé. It was only bottled about two weeks ago and it just burst in my mouth. So I'm thrilled to to mention them today and to recommend them to go along with our conversation around investing. So again, we'd love to hear more from you. And if you have any questions, we would absolutely be thrilled to, to feature them on the podcast. We hope you make it a great day. Sit on back and enjoy the rest of your week. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.